is critical. Is critical. Thank you all so much for coming today. We want to continue to remember our pastor in prayer and his whole family and those that are continuing to battle this whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I thought it was the flu running around, but some people say they have the same thing and test negative for the flu. I don't know. I don't, after COVID, I don't believe nothing they tell me. So I don't know what it is. All I know is people aren't feeling well. So don't come hug my neck because if my two girls get sick again, <laughs> we're mad at you if, if you're the one that gives it to me. So again, thank you for coming today. We're going to jump right into it. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Pretty straightforward scripture today. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He, matter of fact, who do people say I am? And they said, ah, oh, they think you're a prophet. And he's like, nah, yeah, but who do you say I am? And they said, Peter's like, you're the Christ. We know. And so then he said, okay, you know that. You know me. So now let's, let's have a challenge. He said to all of them, remember Judas was still there. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Somebody say, follow me. Follow me. If you would lift your voices and hands, let's pray for our pastor. Let's pray for this service that God would have his way. Thank you, God, for your love and your mercy. Thank you for this opportunity to come and be in your house with your body I pray that you'd raise up our pastor and his family, give them a quick recovery, a healing God in their body. Let them be blessed in their spirit today. Let them be encouraged. Let your will be done in this service today. Open our minds, our hearts to you. God, we come humbly before you. We, we need you. I pray that you'd anoint us, speak through us, and speak to us. In the name of Jesus, somebody say amen. amen. And you may be seated. Familiar scripture. If you want to come after me, you want to follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. As we begin to study and pray over this scripture, the first part is pretty, pretty evident. Deny yourself. Easy, let me say it, easier said than done. If anybody is a human in this place like me, that is much easier said than done. Because to deny your flesh, mm, try fasting. And then the supplier shows up with tacos this past week. It's like, it's Wednesday. You never come. I haven't, this one rep, I haven't seen her in like two, three months. And, hey, can I bring you tacos tomorrow? Satan. <laughs> I knew it. It's like, ah, sure. So they just sat there, and I'm like talking to her, looking at the tacos, smelling the tacos. And then somebody's like, oh, y'all aren't going to eat? Later. <laughs> I can't tell you. So denying yourself. It's a hard thing to do. It's necessary because we are, we're flesh. It's necessary. We're, it's just us. In flesh, we, we got to kill this flesh. But it's free and it is your choice. Denying yourself is all about you. Nobody can deny you for you. You got to do that. I can't do it for you. I can't even do it for my own kids. You, you got to say no. You have to look your flesh in the face and say, you know what? No. And you, you kind of have, have this decision daily of 
is it me or, or flesh? Am I going to get up early and pray? Or am I, I'm going to pray tonight. And then tonight comes and it's like, well, I'm going to pray extra the next day. <laughs> I'm going to pray extra tomorrow because I didn't today and then that snowballs. Or you are fasting and, like I said, supplier shows up or <clears throat> somebody, you know, cuts you off. And you're going to speak to them with sign language or not. Or they speak to you in sign language and you decide what you're going to do and how you're going to respond. Or somebody offends you. you know, we, as people of God, we have this constant struggle between flesh and spirit. And if you're not living for God and it's your first time in this place, number one, welcome. Number two, we're a body of Christ. And um, as a body of Christ, we put all of our strength and our energy in Christ because we, we can't do it. We've been in your place before. We came into a church for the first time before, and we said, how in the world they live like that? Jesus Christ. Not by us or by the fancy suit or by a program, Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that has ever helped us kill this flesh and deny ourselves. because that is the battle. The Bible is clear. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I wish we did. I, 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 I love to wrestle. I give me a devil. I'm, I'm, I'm down. Right, Brandon? Amen. I mean, we would get him. But then they're not, and I'm like, mm. that battle is in, not in the flesh. It's in the spirit, and it's a real battle. So denying yourself is a real struggle. It's a real thing we need to do. But the thing that God really showed me on this is about the cross. He said, deny yourself and pick up your cross. And that is how we always envision it. I let that graphic be on purpose, even though it's not really my point. Because when somebody says, pick up your cross and follow Jesus, that's what we think we look like. Because Jesus did it. And we're supposed to be like Jesus, right? That's what we, be like Jesus. So let's talk about the cross. Jesus' cross. See, his cross was super heavy. Very heavy. And as I was praying and studying, I was wondering why it was so heavy. Why it was such a struggle for him. And I realized, not because of the pain, because that was bad. The thorns were bad. The journey was bad. In fact, the Bible says that as he's carrying the cross, he stumbled and somebody had to pick it up for him. He was weak in his body. Before the cross, he prayed droplets of blood that it would pass from him. So he had to get into the, the whole denying his flesh too. Jesus had to do that. We want to be like Jesus, and that, that journey was tough. The journey, the cross, there's no sugarcoating it. At that time, it was one of the worst punishments and ways of torture. Imagine being hung on a rotted piece of wood, splinter piece of wood, with nails in your hands and feet. And not really the hands, but really right here, so that way... You just get to hang there. There's so many different parts of that torture. It wasn't just the pain of being nailed. It was staying there. It was the jab in the side. It was the beating sun. It was how much you're thirsty and you can't breathe because if you ever hung, just did some hangs and you're just hanging there and you need to take a breath, what do you do? You go, <gasps> but what happens if there was something stabbing in your arm? Not bad that would hurt. So the cross was a journey that was very difficult, very difficult. 
But his cross, God kind of showed me something. It was so hard because he could have said no at any time. Because he didn't have to. You know, if we got punished, part of the reason we put up with our nonsense in our life where we feel like God's punishing us is because we're like, yeah, I know, I did it. We accept the punishment. Jesus didn't do nothing besides love us. And he had the power to just stop it all. At any moment, he could have said, you know what? I'm done. He said, you know, I don't have to deal with this, the sin. I didn't sin, so why I got to put up with this sin? He had to take our sin to the cross, and he had to sit there and say, you know what? At every moment, I could just imagine it's hurting. It's hurting. You know, just like, I quit. No, I can't. I quit. No, I can't. Because he, he could have. He was God. He could have just started over. He could have started over. He was not responsible for our mistakes. He could have stopped it because it wasn't his fault. But see, he opted. Opted. He chose to say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up with this. I'm going to deal with the pain. He could have stopped it, but he didn't. He took the punishment, the debt, the discrimination, the abuse, the neglect. That weight of his cross was heavy. He took it. He had to go through it. He said, you know what? I'm going to take this punishment. I'm going to be a sacrifice. I'm going to shed my blood. He said, yeah, it's agony, but it's worth it. What, uh, yeah. Matthew 20, 24. Yeah, he's worth it. The Bible says, while we're yet sinners, not after we got our stuff together, he took it while we're yet sinners. And his cross, see, it was heavy, and he, he did all the heavy lifting for us. He took care of everything for us. He paid the price. We know about, we hear the preaching about the cross, and we sing about the cross. And it's important that we need the cross in our life. We cannot live for God we wouldn't have any avenue. We wouldn't have any advocate with the Father. There'd be no bloodshed. There'd be no blood redeeming a sin if there wasn't the cross. There'd be none of that. His cross is what saved us. That blood that was shed, that's what washed away our sins. Now, if you don't have any sin, bless your heart. But see, I need the cross. I'm thankful that God did what he did on the cross. Because I, I don't know how I'm ever going to get to God unless I go through Jesus and have this bloodshed. I, I can't do it. But God said, you know what? I know. Let me go reach through eternity and help you by surrendering, just submitting. That was his cross. His cross was to care for us. You know that scripture that says, cast your cares on to God because he cares for you? It's not because, like, he cares about you because he, he already did that. He, he, he knows. We know he cares about you. It's that he cares for you. He cares instead of you. But how does God care? How does Jesus care about what you're dealing with? Fact is, he probably doesn't. <gasps> he doesn't care about the person that offended me. No, no not really, because um, he's different than we are. He's eternal, and he sees things in the eternal, not in the temporal. You know, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So his job is to be strong, and he demonstrated that strength by not getting off the cross. Because what takes more energy? Just like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to get on the cross and suffer, or I'm going to get on the cross and suffer, but I don't have to. What takes more energy? What takes more strength? When someone hits you to hit them back, they're like, you know what? You can have it. Restraint is more powerful than committing to do something. 
It's, restraint is way more powerful than reaction. Way more powerful. For him to say no. So he has all the strength. We know that's where the scripture, his grace is sufficient for us. It's enough because he went through that. He dealt with it. It's enough because of his cross. That's the only reason we have somebody on our side. When we mess up and we continue to mess up. And then we feel bad because we messed up. So then we mess up again. We have this cycle. Then, we, then this thing enters our brain that says, you're just a failure. I'm just, man, I, I can't seem to get this right. <clears throat> can't live for God. <clears throat> and we just get mad. And then we start quitting because we can't deal with this. And the Bible says we have an advocate with the Father, somebody on our side. See, that, that's from the cross that Jesus carried. When we get hurt and we're, we're mad at God or mad at the person that hurt us, we don't even see the end result of it. We just see the hurt. And first of all, if you've been hurt, I'm sorry. Especially if it was by the church or, or man of God or woman of God, it's unacceptable. But it happens. But see, God sees those things a little bit differently. Because if it happened, that's because God allowed it. God wanted to hurt me. No, he wanted to grow you. Maybe that hurt is demonstrating insecurity or an immaturity in you that you're going to grow. And maybe you don't know that your daughter's going to go through the same thing or your friend or a visitor is going to come in that, and your coworker. And now, now you're trying to minister to them about something you just went through. And you're like, oh, that's why God healed me. But if you're bitter and angry and irritated, now y'all are just wallowing in the same pit of, well, look what pastor did to me. He didn't shake my hand. Look what so-and-so said. I just can't believe they looked at me like that. And now nobody's growing. Y'all are just both bitter. And now you get this like little bitter group in the church. You're like, well, we're counseling one another. No, y'all are just being bitter together. But you don't want to go talk to somebody that says, well, you need to get over it. <gasps> you're going to, what is the, the new thing? It's, um, you're not going to validate my feelings? As a man, that is so difficult. But what would you like me to say? That it's okay because it's not. Like, my daughter's three, and she gets mad because the one-and-a-half-year-old grabs something from her. She screams. I'm like, hey, stop it. But she, yeah, but that's not a reason for you to act that way. And everybody says amen when I say that to my three-year-old. But what, what about if I said it to a 30-year-old? You're being rude. You're not validating her feelings. Not a reason for you to act that way, biblically. Biblically, we don't, we don't respond that way. Mature says, hey, you can't do that. But then I'm, I'm in trouble. You know, I'm in the pastor's office saying something, apologizing, whatever. But maybe God allowed that hurt so you could just grow and be healed. We don't need to get in the whole Me Too movement in church. Oh, that, that hurts you? That pastor abused you? Me too. I, sister so-and-so said something? Yeah, she said that to me too. And I, yeah, I don't like her either. I don't like him either. We start dealing with the things that we experienced. And we say our experience is our cross. It's like, well, look at these things. Like, I've, I've hurt and I've had neglect and my old church and my old pastor. And 
We're walking around like that, carrying a cross. You are neglected, you are abused, you are molested. The things that happened to you, terrible things. You failed, you messed up on your marriage, whatever you did. And you have guilt and shame and condemnation and, and you're just walking around with that. Uh, that belongs to Jesus. He already took that on his cross. Why are you still carrying it? Why did he go to the cross and die to, to take the sins of the world, to take your shame and guilt? If every time you mess up, you just, well, look at me. I'm such a terrible person. He took the cross. He suffered and died for our sin, our failures, our mistakes, and even the things that are going to offend us. That's his cross, not yours. His cross, the God of the universe, that's what he went to Calvary for, not for you to try to take it back. So what is our cross? What is our cross? Because the Bible says, he didn't say, take up the cross. It's not what he said. He said, take up your cross. And that just struck me, and I was like, God, what do you, what is my cross? His cross was heavy, but what's my cross like? Biblically, what's my cross like? See, my cross is supposed to be light. I thought Christianity was supposed to be, I'm going to just live in struggle and heartache. I didn't say it's going to be easy, but what does the scripture say about it? 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. He said, pick up your cross daily. And now Paul is saying your inward man is renewed daily. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. We forget all about the scripture when the struggle is real, when it's in our face. Why we do not look at things that are seen, but are the things that are not seen. You don't even know what God is doing. You have no idea what he's going to do with that. But now if you get bitter and angry and start trying to control things, you'll never see what God's going to do with it. But what if you just yielded to the pain, yielded to the suffering? Because you know, hey, this is but a temporary light affliction because God's doing something eternal with it. Well, that's a whole nother way to live for God. We're used to being the Christians that are walking around with, oh, my God, I just carrying the, man, I, I need a something. I should have got me a prop, man, brother Andrew. should have got me one of them swords or something. Because we're used to just being under the weight of the cross. I'm just serving Jesus. Amen. Why are you so downtrodden? Like, I don't understand right now. Biblically. Because, see, our cross looks just like that, just positioned a whole different. Our cross is the same shape, but it's for a whole different purpose. Our cross has probably looked like that, but what if you turned it into a sword? What if you took the cross, your cross, and you made it into something, I don't know, a weapon? What if you took the things that you're suffering with and actually used them for the glory of God? 
What if when you got dressed, you said, I'm going to put on my shoes, I'm going to put on my socks, I'm going to put on my jacket, all right, I'm ready, and where's my cross at? And then walk around like, oh, where's my cross? But you walk around with like, all right, yeah, where's my, I got my cross, I'm ready. Because, see, it, it's a weapon for our, it's a weapon for our good. That's what, see, Jesus, he submitted to the cross. Submission, he submitted to the cross. That's what he did. He was able to do that because he submitted to the cross. Now, what if we submit to our cross? Not our flesh, but our spirit. See, 2 Corinthians talks about the outward man is suffering, but the inward man, the spirit is renewed day by day. We're supposed to look at Jesus and say, okay, what did he put on the cross? He suffered and died. He submitted. He suffered. He took humility. He said, you know, that's what all got him to the cross. And then when we walk in our life, why don't we use the same thing? Because the weapons of our warfare are mighty through what? Your own intelligence? Mighty through your own position in the church? Mighty through because you've been here for 28 years? Mighty through because, well, I'm new. I'm still on the milk, and I don't need to have to. I don't have to do that. Your weapons are mighty through Christ. Through Christ, through his death, that's how you get strength. He died on the cross, and that's what gives you power. That's the only reason our, cro- our cross has power. It's because of his pain. That's the only reason our cross has power is because of his pain. Our weapon is only that because Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to be wounded. Your cross shouldn't be so heavy. Shouldn't be so heavy. His was heavy. Maybe yours is heavy because you're carrying a bunch of stuff you don't have to be carrying. You're dragging it around instead of picking it up and warring with it. You're not using the cross like it was intended. Because the cross was supposed to give us what? Victory and freedom. But we live in bondage. Oh, my God. I can't overcome this thing because why? I can't overcome this addiction because I can't deal with this family. I just can't. I just can't deal with her at my job. I just, I can't. Do you have the spirit of God or not? I can't deal with that preacher. Do you have the spirit of God or not? I, I, I don't know how to deal with that person, that family member in my life. I just, I can't deal with them. Why? Because of your, you're doing it in your flesh. Where's your cross at? Where's your cross at? And then, lastly, your cross is kind of, kind of your calling. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. First question, if you're like me, where are we going? I, I, mm, by nature, I'm kind of like a, I'm going to be in control. Like, uh, Got to have a plan. Don't really care what the plan is. I just need to know what it is. I'm not just going to be going around blind. So if you're like me, you like it to have a plan. Okay, so what's this week? What are we going to do? Okay, what's the goal? Okay, we're three, five-year plan. Okay, cool. That's me. So if Jesus said, um, pick up your cross, follow me, I'm like, go oh, where? Oh, just blindly? Oh, you mean you're not going to tell me? 
you don't read anything about anybody asking that question. I'm like, no one asked that question. Y'all didn't be like, oh, Jesus, where are we going? Like to get bread? Like to get water? Like where are we going? Oh, you're going to suffer and die. Wait. Mm. Oh, change all of humanity? Uh, Peter ended up crucified upside down? Wait, what? Paul was boiled. And boiled like, nobody wanted to ask those questions. Like, okay, I'm going to follow this man named Jesus, this gospel. Okay, cool. Now what? Nobody asked for a plan. Nobody want no blueprint. They're just going along with it. And I was like, you know what? That's because they probably had a whole lot more faith than I did. But see, they knew Jesus. And some of them didn't, but when God called them, it's because they were already hungry and searching. So when God calls you and says, hey, follow me. Hey, submit. Hey, go pray. Hey, forgive them. Hey, surrender your life. You're like, or are you like, okay, God, I surrender. God. I'll give that to you, God. Oh, give $1,000? I'll do it. Oh, give my last two mites? She did it. But when God calls you and God asks something, anything, what does he ask for you? He calls you. I can never be a, I can never do that. I can never be used of God. Look at me. I can't tell you how many young men I've heard say, Oh, I could never be a preacher. Why? Because you're looking at it through your eyes? Is that what God called you to do? See, I'm stubborn. Extremely stubborn. And um, one of my, no, my biggest problem with God in my life is because God would say, do it. And I'm like, mm, I need confirmation. Translation, I'm hesitating on my prayer. I need you to confirm it, Lord. Send someone. God tells me to do something. I'm like, uh, mm. to this day, I'll be over there and God, I'm praying, just seeing the face of God, just praying in service. And I look at somebody's like, God's like, I'm going to go pray for them. I'm like, uh, what do you want me to pray? I'm like, uh, they're a visitor. Or no, they don't need prayer. Look at them. They're not even, they're not even praying, Lord. Is that what we do? Like, their hands aren't even lifted up. Can't pray for them. They're, they're sitting down. Oh. And to this day, I'm like, oh, you armpit sweat. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, I'm like part of my walk back and forth is like, oh, God, help me. Okay. I'm going to go pray for who? Really? Yeah, I don't want to. And then you learn to mature, and God sometimes <clears throat> has to humble you, and then you'll go. You learn to just like, all right. Whatever. You don't know. God's not going to give you the whole plan anyway. You're either going to submit or not. If you have to have the whole plan, it's because you're not submitted. It's because you're afraid and you're scared. So when God calls you in this service, when God calls you tomorrow on your job, when God uses you, the God reminded me of something in prayer the other day, just yesterday. This was probably six months ago. I went to go, oh, maybe longer than that, probably eight, maybe a year ago, I think. I went to Torchy's, pick up some food. So ordered it because I hate waiting. And I drove up. It's like, oh, they didn't text me. It's not ready yet. So I'm just like sitting there waiting. And sometimes I just like to sit in silence and just, because I'm weird, whatever. I'm just in the car, no radio, just. And there was a girl sitting on the outside booth, a little table. 
I just like looked over at her and something said, why don't you go tell her God loves her? And I said, nope. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, what, what? Think about it. Now it's funny, but like it was, I literally said, wait, what? Go tell her God loves her. I was like, yeah, but I'm married. <laughs> nah, <laughs> can't talk to a female because I'm married. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to ruin my marriage over you, right? <laughs> Excuse number one. I was like, uh, no, God, I'm, I'm married. I was like, go tell her God loves her. And I was like, is this really you? He's like, I don't Why would I tell somebody that? That's weird. Imagine. I, like, then I put myself in her shoes, and I said, I'm sitting here, some random person comes tells me, so I want to let you know Jesus loves you. And I said, no, that sounds retarded. Oh, I don't know. I guess I can't say that word. That sounds silly. I was like, I'm going to be one of the crazy church people. No. I said, me and my brother made fun of those weird church people our whole life. I'm not going to do that. I was like, no. I was like, God, this don't make no sense. Like, why would I tell her that? And I'm literally in this debate with God back and forth. And I was like, well, maybe it's just my flesh. Like, I was like, I don't know. I was like, mm, I don't know. And she, it's not like she was attractive or she had on my favorite color shirt. Nothing. There was nothing like no reason why in, in physical that I'd go talk to her. And I was like, I'm sitting there debating it. And I don't really know how long this took. All I know is the next thing I know, she got up, grabbed her trash, and left. And I said, <laughs> that was, must not have been the will of the Lord. Because... <laughs> You know, the door has closed. So I didn't say anything. And then about the time she drove off, I felt terrible. And last night I had to repent because I said, God, please let her know that, that, somebody lo- that, that you love her and send somebody, in, even if it's not me. And God, if, it, for some re- I, you know, if he sent her to, to this service today, I wouldn't know because I don't remember what she looked like. I just remember wrestling with God in the, in the middle of a calling. Because we think calling means, I'm a preacher. Maybe God just told you, hey, put the person God loves them. Save their soul. Save their life. Hey, what if, what if you just didn't respond in anger and just responded in gentleness to your husband when he said something that he shouldn't say? Maybe you just didn't say anything back. Maybe you just went and prayed for that person across the service, even though it's like, oh, that sister so-and-so, you don't pray for them. Maybe you just went and prayed with her. You have no idea what God's doing. Paul said it's, it's not in the temporal, it's in the eternal. Your cross to get up and follow Jesus is about listening to what Jesus said. Well, I don't know. I don't understand. Nobody at, we're, we're in the scripture, you find Jesus saying, well, I need you to agree to the whole plan. He tells you, I'm going to call you, and he says, uh, you'll get eternal life with me. You want it or not? What happens in the middle? Trust me that I love you, and I'm for you, and I'm with you, and I'll never leave you, forsake you, that I know you're in from the beginning. Mm. I don't know what God wants, 
is just a cop-out for us to get off the road in the journey that God calls you on. I've learned that the hard way. I was talking to somebody the other day. I lost probably 10 or 12 years of my life spiritually run from God. And when you look back on it and doing ministry in church today and counseling anybody that's younger than me, and they're like, oh, I felt like God told me to do this. My first thing is like, do it. Like, I know I don't have all the answers. I can't tell you all why. I just, I'm just telling you, do it. Why? Because God told you to. And having people like pastors say, well, if God told you to talk to the woman and tell her that God loved her, did Satan's telling you that? No. Is your flesh saying that? No, because I'm married, remember? Like, and we're supposed to share the gospel? But we want to overcomplicate this thing of what our calling looks like. And I lost 10 years chasing indecision and hesitation and, in fact, confirmation. God, I need you to just confirm it. What happened to trust and dependency on God where God says we do? He calls, we answer. One of my, um, I don't know if it's a bad thing. I don't know. Jose, if you call me, what do you say? Percent, I'd answer. It's okay, 25. I'm not a zero. But, you know, we got those friends where they call them like, they're not going to answer. Drives me crazy. I'm like, what? How? You always have your phone, but I text you and I call you. Never answer the phone. I don't understand. Drives me crazy. Doesn't it, Colton? Like, man, I just drive. Why? What, what are you doing? I, I think you're just like, yeah, no. I'm like, what did I do to you that you will not answer the phone or text me? If you could look at and say, text me, why could you not say, hello? If I wanted to text you, I would have texted you. I called you because I wanted to tell, talk, talk to you about something right then, like at that moment. Yeah. So God, so glad God's not like me because if I was God, like, lightning for you, lightning for you, lightning for you. Like, man, I called, you didn't answer? Hmm. Oh, okay. But next time I call, you answer. Sometimes I think if God did that to me, I would have been better off. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I, I literally was like, ah. God's called me for years, and I was, I just wallowed in wanting confirmation. And I want to just encourage somebody today. If God is calling you, it's safe to say yes. It's safe to yield to it. I don't know the end, but God does. And if he's calling you, it's because you're worth it. You're worth it. And when he called, he said, pick up your cross, and he said, follow me. In fact, the scripture says, take up your cross. And for some reason, I looked up what take up means. And the reason why I say the cross probably isn't, or our cross, probably isn't shaped that way is because when you look up the word take up, it talks about acceptance and advancement like in armor or battle. Like advancement in armor or battle. So what are you going to do with your cross in a battle? Walk around like that? How are you going to fight like that? How are you going to, how would you war like that? When God said take it up, that, that meant equip yourself and get ready. So God took all these things on the cross and all his glory and all his power. And then he said, okay, now you have access to my spirit. 
that gives you all the power in heaven and earth. Now, now you can move mountains. Now you can cast out demons. Now you can command the sick. And now that's our power. So he said, hey, how about you equip yourself and take up your cross and come with me? Because we got a battle to win. We got, we're in a battle and we got, we can't just be walking around like, well, God, I just, I need some help. No, he said, I've given you my spirit. What more do you need? Your cross is yours. You can't, well, I'm going to borrow some Omar's cross because on fire. I'm going to partner with him. Mm-mm. Don't work like that. Your cross, your prayer life, your submission, your honesty with God, your openness, your yielding. That's it. You can't borrow from me. I can't borrow from you. It's between you and God. Everyone has a path to heaven. This path is the same. It's Jesus. There's no other way you're going to get there. You can't whine yourself. Well, I, I, I'm, I believe in Jesus and I've accepted my Savior. But I don't believe in that whole speaking in tongues thing. I don't believe in that whole spirit thing. I don't believe in all that lifestyle of holiness thing. I don't believe in like uh, that, that, that scripture. That's really for the old people. That's really for the Bible times. I don't see that in scripture. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and, and life. Me. And all who comes to God has to come through me. You are, you, you are only going to get there unless it's right through Jesus Christ. Uh, you can try every other way you want to, and all that does is put your soul in jeopardy of hell. The cross, your cross, is about you. Only about you. I was talking to someone the other day, and I don't know if I saw it or read it, or maybe God showed it to me. I don't remember. Probably a little bit of everything. You know that scripture that says, um, Lord, Lord, we will say to you in that day, uh, we cast out demons in your name, but like we can't get in? Jesus is talking. He says, in the last days, at the time of judgment, there are going to be people that show up and say, hey, God, me, hey, I preached on that Sunday when Pastor Green was sick, so I need to get in. We cast out demons in your name. We, did, we were a saint on the pew. And God looks at him and is like, depart from me, worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And that scripture has always bothered me. But then I got a little deeper and I said, wait. God is sovereign, right? He knows our end from our beginning, right? In Genesis, he spoke in everything. He, before time was, he was, right? He casts our sins as far as from east and from the west. Like God don't forget nothing except for sin, right? And But God knows everything. The Bible says every hair on your head is numbered. Jesus said, hey, I'm reaching for you. I love you. If a sparrow falls, I care about that. But so how much more do you think I care about you? But then at judgment, that same God says, I don't even know you. But not just like I don't even know you. I never knew you. It smoked my soul because I was like, wait, God's going back in his entire memory and erasing you. God's going back in God's memory, not yours, in his entire memory and say, you know what? I never knew you. Not that I don't know you at judgment day. I never knew you because you worked iniquity, because you were dishonest, because you didn't heed my calling. Because you pretended like you were a a saint when really you were a sinner. Because you were a sinner and you were too afraid to yield to me because I called you. And you said, pass. 
because I'm embarrassed. I was there. I didn't want to lift my hands. That's awkward. It's embarrassing. I don't want to pray. I didn't want to cry. It's like, I don't want to do that. Go to the front like those other weird people? Nah, pass. I got a life to live. I made a deal with God when I was about 10 years old. My mom's going to have a heart attack. I was like 10 or 12. I remember being in the bathroom and saying, God. And I was like, well, no, Satan, look, both of you. Just let me live till I'm 60. And I'll live for you, God. Let me do it. Let me just live my life till I'm 60. I was like, okay, 50. And I'll live for you. Looking back on it, if I if God didn't save me when he did, I probably would be dead by now. If God didn't save me when he did, I'd be addicted to things I can't get rid of. And I'm like, wait, I, I was trying to make a deal with the devil, literally. It's like, all right, look, just give me, because I was poor, and I was like, I, I want the things my cousins have. I want the dirt bikes, and I want the four-wheelers. I, if I can just get all that stuff and experience it, then, God, I will live for you after. God's way, not my way. That was that iniquity in my heart. And I read that scripture again. I was like, God, let me not deny the cross you gave me just because of some temporal things. Some stuff that I can reach out and see because I want a cool four-wheeler. Because I want a cool job and a raise and I want to make some money for what? To go to hell over? <gasps> you can't say it like that. This same scripture that says, if you take up your cross and follow me, the same section of scripture says, because whoever loses his life for my sake will gain eternal life, but whoever doesn't have damnation. I'm closing. Our job is to answer to that calling and to carry our cross. That's our weapon, guys. That's what we have. The cross, the spirit of God, that's how we battle and win. You're struggling, you can't get through something, stop doing it on your own. God put a, number one, if you have the spirit of God, he put his spirit in you. Number two, he gave you a pastor that watches for your soul. And he gave you the word of God to hide it in your heart. So when the day of temptation comes, you can fight. And you're over here not reading, not fasting, not praying, not talking to your pastor. Like, I'm just struggling. Well, I guess I, I'm not your pastor. <laughs> but, like, that's his, that's our goal is to take that spirit of God and actually do something with it. Your purpose, calling, ministry, your sacrifice doesn't really look like that. It looks like a warring advancement pursuing man and woman of God. That's what we're supposed to do, but it's, it's our choice. It's our choice and our decision to let God. Because remember, this battle is flesh versus spirit. It's not about this Sunday, because what happens if you don't get a next one? If anybody in this place has ever lost a loved one, one day, one moment changes everything. I've been there. Changes everything. Everything is different in a matter of seconds. And we're sitting here saying, well, God, I have tomorrow. How do you know? You got tomorrow where? T tell me how you know the future because I don't. Story after story, especially when you hear that from the elders about 
God ministering and reaching and them giving a prophetic word and somebody telling somebody, hey, don't date them. Hey, get out of that relationship. Hey, don't take that job. Hey, don't go there. Don't move there. Don't do it. And they're like, I don't understand. He's against me. What does God have to gain? What are you going to give God because he, he, what, he wants you to take that money and do what? What is God going to do with that, with the job you don't get? What is that prophet going to do that doesn't really know you, that evangelist comes in and speaks a word in your life? What? He don't even know you. What does he have to gain from the word of God he gave you? Nothing. Our job is to carry our cross daily, the word says. Not on Sundays and Wednesdays. Daily. You know, back in the time of Jesus, there was no such thing as Sunday and Wednesday church. So what'd they do? Oh, they broke bread daily, going house to house, ministering the good news of Jesus Christ. Pastor call a seven-day revival, have y'all quitting right now. Don't lie. Look, I'm like, listen, I live next door. I'm so like, oh, God, really? Am I going to go? Like, it's, it's a long walk. I just, seven days? Me and Diego were talking just the other night. When we grew up in our original church, a seven-day revival was seven full days without an evangelist. It was just your pastor preaching seven days in a row. There wasn't none of this like, well, we're going to bring in Brother Deer, and we're going to bring Brother Green, and then the other Brother Green. No, 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 no. It was like, your pastor's just preaching to you like fire. It's like, we, Brother Green did that today. We'd be mad. I don't have time for that. Don't you know we got lives? Some of us got to work. And that's all funny, except for when our souls are jeopardy. What if your pastor's calling a seven-day fast and prayer meeting and service because he sees something you don't because his job is to look in for your soul? What if, what if God's calling him to something? But then if it works out and you, you yield to God and then you find out, oh, I was about to go through hell on earth and now I have the strength to make it. Oh, well, you know what? I heeded them word of God from the man of God and yeah I, I didn't get in that relationship or I, I didn't take that job or I didn't move to that place and my soul is saved and some of you elders know that there's times you didn't listen to God but there's also times that you can testify I listened to the man of God I listened when God told me to do something and then you look back you're like thank God I did thank God I listened thank God I said yes to what God is telling me to do Today is your day to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Not tomorrow. Not when it gets convenient. The calling is real. It may come through this silly guy in this microphone. It may come through a saint ministering to you. It may come from that still small voice. Maybe last night when you're awake, God was ministering to you. Or when you're in prayer this week, God's like, hey, I'm calling. I, I want more from you. And you're like, yeah, God, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm afraid. I just, I don't understand. I, God, it's not the right time. I'm in between jobs. I just got married. I, I just had a kid. I'm busy. That calling, that voice is still God. And that voice is still right. And it's still after your soul. Because, see, God, he did all the caring on the cross. He carried all the sin, all the weight, 
He did that. All the stuff you went through and all the stuff you're going through to go through, he's already dealt with it. Your job is to take your cross and follow him. Not in shame and guilt and weighing down on a cross of sacrifice. No, but in power and authority in the spirit of God. Conquering mountains. That's what we're supposed to do. We're the body of Christ. If you'd stand. The cross of Jesus, that sacrifice is what equips you to carry yours. See, yours is a weapon. What does the Bible say? To pulling down of strongholds. To the pulling down of strongholds. There's something you can't get through in your life. What's your cross at? You doing it on your own? Seeking counsel on your own, running the numbers by yourself, trying to be disciplined. Listen to people like Paul that says, hey, in this flesh, there's no good thing. I can accomplish nothing on my own. And what did Paul say? All his revelation, all his visions. He said, man, I know nothing but Jesus and him crucified. And he was a gr great man of God. But he understood something. He said, mm, I don't know where I came from. Walking around killing Christians. Putting people in prison. So he understood this flesh got, it has to get under control. He'd been on the other side and so he knows that I don't have any business letting my flesh get out of control. So when he asked God, hey, this thorn in the flesh is bothering me. And I, he asked God three times, hey, God, take it away. God said, nope. Now, what we do, we're mad at God because he didn't heal us. He didn't bless us. He didn't give us the thing that we said we needed. It saved Paul's soul. What did Paul do? Okay. God, you said it has to be there? Okay. Still did ministry. Still served God. Still had a revelation and used by God. Was that a perfect life? Without a bed of roses? Paul said, yeah, I, I get it. God, if you said it, that's fine. Where else I need to go? You're on a ship, Paul, and it's going to wreck. Okay. I ain't getting on a boat that's going to sink. But Paul said, you, I'll take my cross there. I'll follow you. Why? Spirit of God said, go. But why? Don't know. God said, go. He's leading me to Rome. You're probably going to die there. Yeah, okay. He did it anyway. Our goal is to, our job is to, our obligation, our desire should be to just follow Jesus. Taking on the cross is a big deal. It is. Picking up your cross, getting, getting into this battle, everything's not perfect. It's just worth it. Some of you elders can testify, life is not always easy living for God, but it's better than not. Some of you young ones that don't know if you want to commit to this yet, I, wish I would have talked to somebody when I was 10 or 12 and said, should I really give my life to Christ or Satan? 
Christ or Satan? And let them tell me. Because they, hey, as early as you can, every waking moment, daily, follow me. Why? Because it's worth it. Go to Christ. Go to God. Do it. It's awkward. Lift your hands. It's awkward. Cry. It's awkward. Be loud. It's awkward. Do it. Why? It's worth it. Your soul is worth it. Your family's worth it. Your spouse is worth it. Your future is worth it. I don't know what our future is. God does. Trust him anyway. How do we do that? How do you take up that cross? Same way God did it. Submit. You have a decision to make today. You have a decision to make. Submit to the calling of God or not. There's not a middle of the road. Saying you're waiting isn't waiting. That's saying no. Saying I'll do it next week, that's telling God no, that's rejection. That's risking it. This isn't about fear. Me trying to scare you into living for God. It's about love and God reaching for your soul the same way he reached for mine. That God, I need you every day. That God, I'm not perfect, but you're perfect. That I don't know how to do everything, but God, you know. So even when I do mess up, God's going to pick me up. Because that's what, that's what you get with living for God. Is like, hey, you're always going forward with him. Always growing. That everything, everything works for good. Because see, when, when you're living, not living for God, everything ain't working for good. You don't love God, everything is not working for good. That poster, Hobby Lobby, does not belong in your house. Because you don't love God. How, how dare you say I don't love God? Do you keep his commandments? That's the word, the word says. Do you love him? Do you submit to him? Do you? How do you answer that voice? How do you carry your cross daily? Same way Jesus did. Submitting on the cross. Submitting. Yielding your flesh to the Spirit. I don't know. I, I don't know if I can live that life. I don't. I don't understand Pentecost. I don't understand this church. And my first time here. Follow the Spirit of God. Because what does the Word say? He will lead you into all righteousness. Nobody in this place, from the eldest to the youngest, nobody, especially our elders, have been living this life and submitted and surrendered to God. None of us got it perfect. We're just submitted. We're submitted and we're hungry. And we know that when we mess up, we got an advocate with the Father. We got somebody on our side. And we know that if we didn't live for God, there's nobody on our side. There's nobody fighting for us if we don't live for God. So you know what? If I got to fight this thing, I'm not going to do it by myself. I'm going to go to Christ. I'm going to die daily. Why? Because it's worth it. It's worth it. Let's take a moment to pray this evening as they sing and ask yourself, are you going to pick up your cross or are you going to continue to make excuses like I did and argue with God like I did or try to wait until the timing is right till you're 50 or till you're 60 or till when you get money in the bank when do you decide that you know what God I surrender I give up not my will because that's what Jesus did 
He said, not my will. Ever ask yourself what God wanted, what Jesus wanted to do in the garden? Pretty simple. He did not want to go to the cross. That means he wanted to stay alive. Jesus did not want to suffer. But he said, you know what? I got to get rid of this flesh. And even though I don't want to, not, not what I want, but God, whatever you want. Can that be your prayer today? Are you willing to make that decision today? It's a big commitment. It is serious. It is life-changing. It will change your life. And it will be a sacrifice, but it is absolutely worth it. And that, that cross is light. And that burden is actually glorious according to Scripture. And it's easy when you live your life completely for God. God, I thank you for your love and mercy. I thank you for your grace that's sufficient for me and every soul in this place. And I, I pray, God, that we would choose you. I pray that you'd help me submit to you right now. That every calling, every word you speak to me, God, that I would be an open vessel for you to flow freely through. Have your way in this 